You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Kentucky Derby 146. We talk about it here on the Winners Club podcast, presented by our friends at DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use that promo code WEEI when you do. For your chance at not one, but two $1 million prizes next week for football. That's right, DraftKings, you guys know how it works. You set your lineup with a salary cap, you win that way. How about this? DraftKings also giving away $100 million in prizes to all users who sign up for their free, that's right, free survivor pool this year at DraftKings. All you have to do is sign up at DraftKings, use my promo code WEEI, then enter the free survivor pool. You make your pick and you instantly get rewarded up to uh, lots of money involved here, at least $5. I got 5 bucks. Hopefully you get more. Over $100 million in giveaways. What are you waiting for? Football starts next week. Download the top-rated DraftKings app right now. Use the promo code WEEI for a limited time. Get your share of $100 million in prizes once you enter the survivor pool. Code WEEI for a limited time only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Other terms and conditions for eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It is Derby 146. It is four months late, but it's the first Saturday in September. 146 running of the Derby. No fans like most sports on this Saturday. You'll have Derby parties that are socially distanced with your mint juleps. That's okay because the the card is still spectacular on both Friday and Saturday. 7.01 is your post-time final race of the day. Caps off an awesome card on Saturday of the Kentucky Derby there at Churchill Downs. A huge favorite in this race, tis the law. Uh, the New York bred. A lot of fans coming from this uh, neck of the woods. Up in upstate New York, Sacatoga Stables. They will be a monster favorite, maybe the biggest favorite uh, we've had in the Kentucky Derby. We'll t- are we going to try to beat the chalk? Or are we eating the chalk this weekend? Are we with or against Tis the Law? We'll talk about it with our buddy Matt Bernier. Uh, he, of course, of RacingPicks.com, NBC Sports uh, as well, uh, covering these races. Matt has a crazy pick in the Oaks. We're going to go through six races on Saturday. We'll start with the Derby, go through the late pick six on Saturday. We'll end with the Oaks. He has a ridiculous take in the Oaks, as does Jessica Paquette, our friend uh, formerly of Suffolk Downs and now with uh, friends at Trackus. Some wild, wild, wild shots in the Oaks. So you don't want to go anywhere. We'll go through these six races, some top-line picks, some ideas to mix in with your ideas. Ten-cent supers in the Derby, 50-cent pick fives all day long. Take our ideas, put them with your ideas, and make some money. That's the whole idea. Uh, you want to ask me questions, you got some thoughts on races, get on me at Twitter at Mutt, M-U-T-W-E-E-I. But let's get to it. Derby Podcast, Winners Club. Let's pick winners. Matt Bernier joins us right now. It'll be the 146th running of the Kentucky Derby this Saturday, four months later than scheduled, but it's going to happen. 
I say it's going to happen, but we're recording this on Thursday. And given the year, uh, we hope that it happens on Saturday in Louisville, Kentucky. And joining us to break it down, as always, our buddy Matt Bernier. Matt underscore Bernier on Twitter. Uh, NBC Sports handicapping the races and at RacingPicks.com, which is a free site. You can check in there. Uh, you got to give your email address. But after that, you're getting all the free picks you want from Matt Bernier. Happy Derby, Matty. How are you? Yeah, but, you know, it's one of those things, better late than never, right? Um, it, it's nice that we're actually going to have a Kentucky Derby run where, for a moment, who, who knows, it didn't look like it was necessarily a, a likely scenario. But here we are, and I, I wish there was more to talk about with the race than it seems like there is at face value. I like how you lead off the podcast by saying, boy, this is a boring derby this year. What, what a professional you are. But, I mean, it's the reality. As a, from a, See, it's two different things. All right, from a human interest standpoint, tis the law, the 17 horse, he was the favorite, and he's going to be probably the shortest favorite in Kentucky Derby history. He is a great Matt human interest story, and we can spend a minute on it. We're talking about Sacatoga Stables, the unfunny side. Ironically, 17 years ago, they're in the 17 post position, at least for now, uh, in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. It's Barkley Tag, it's Sacatoga. The human interest part of it is great on tis the law, correct? Well, yeah, and especially, like you say, when you go back and recognize that they've been down this road before, and it's been a minute, like you say, 17 years ago, and for them to be back here in a situation like this, and it's not your Bafferts or your Pletchers or your Chad Browns or, you know, think of the biggest breeding operations that there are. It's sort of the New York-bred, lower-profile connections that come through with a horse who... You know, I I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. He still needs to go out there and win the race on Saturday, and who knows what goes on going forward. But he really is sort of setting himself up to potentially go down in sort of the the ranks of the Gunrunners, the Arrowgates, the American Pharaohs, the California Chromes of the past 10, 15 years if he can successfully go and do what most of us presume he's going to do on Saturday and then again, a month later down in Baltimore. So, And I was not a believer in Tis the Law uh, until the Travers, and he just completely blew doors in that race, and he ran a 109 buyer, and it probably could have been higher. He was geared down uh, the last, whatever, 16th of a mile. So I I didn't believe in him as a horse and as a handicapper. I kept wanting to bet against him. That's the other part of this, where it's a handicapping podcast. Human interest story, great. Handicapping-wise, Matt, I mean, on paper – he lays over this field. I can make a kind of sort of case for some other horses and some long shots, but on the on the win end, I, I don't think anyone's in his class in, in this field on Saturday. No, and the way that I've been positioning it to people is you need two things to happen, and I don't know that two things happening are likely. You need this horse to regress from that unbelievable Travers effort, and let's also be honest, he hasn't done anything wrong really throughout any point in his career. All of his victories have been by at least three lengths. He just goes out there and puts the boots to the field, and he had a little bit of a troubled trip in his only trip down to Kentucky last year. But you need a combination of him to regress and one of these other horses to jump up in a pretty significant way. I think one of those things, whether it is A or B, I think one of those can happen. I think it's highly unlikely that both of them happen enough so that he were to lose the race. Now, if something ridiculous happens from a trip standpoint, you never know. Maybe he stumbles out of the gate, whatever the case may be. But when you just, for the things that you can project and predict, it's very difficult to draw up any scenario where he doesn't win this race and doesn't win it rather comfortably. Well, and from a buyer speed standpoint, uh, which I certainly reference as one of the commercially available uh, speed figures, the one I use, I mean, there are, there are eight different you know triple-digit uh, buyer speed figures in the race. He owns three of them. There are like five other ones uh, in the entire race. So he's 
Uh, he lays over this field, uh, at least on paper. You mentioned the two ways it could get beat. I guess potentially there's a trip scenario. Matt, I guess we talk about that. He gets to the 17 post position, tis the law. Who again, three to five favorite. He's parked outside. Any issue with where he got set up next to Authentic, just outside of Honor AP? No, because in my opinion, with a horse like this, where effectively he would need some sort of traffic issue to get him beat, in my opinion, I'd rather keep him four or five paths out in the clear. Let him run, you know, uh, nearly a mile and three eighths in the mile and a quarter race. I don't care. He's just that much better than everyone else. I'd rather you be clear and not have to deal with any crap down on the inside or potentially getting shut off, whatever the case may be. If he has to carry an extra eighth of a mile as opposed to any of the other main contenders, I don't really care. I think he's just that much better than everyone else. And to your point with the horses that have broke or will break around him, Authentic is a speed horse. He's got to go from the far outside. Honor AP, I don't think naturally has the sort of tactical ability that it is the law does. He certainly isn't as fast as a horse like Authentic. And New York traffic, It'll be interesting to see what Paco Lopez does. And, and this isn't necessarily a, a knock against Paco, but we've seen he can get a little bit aggressive when it comes to some tactics. So perhaps he tries to get a little bit cute and float those other two horses that we just mentioned that are going to be forwardly placed a little bit farther out going into the first turn. But even having said that, I just I don't I don't think a trip is going to get this horse beat. I think he needs to have some sort of a bounce from that Travers and then have one of these other horses that we've been we're going to touch on jump up in a pretty big way, and I just don't see both of those things happening. And we'll get to uh, you know, the, the other horses here. If it's not going to be the trip, how about the pace scenario for Tis the Law? To me, you mentioned Authentic uh, being on the front end. Tis the Law is in a position where you can sit, I don't know, three or four off the speeds in this race, always a little bit faster than they expect uh, in the Derby. I know Timeform US has it as a red-coated race. They're expecting a fast pace. I think that sets up for Tis the Law. So for me, I don't see a pace issue with this race. Do you? No, it's, it's a beautiful setup, and that's, the, that's the, the lovely thing about a horse like this, where he has, it's the perfect storm. He has the mind, he has the athleticism, he has the connection with his rider, Manny Franco, really, with the exception of that Holy Bull, which a lot of people were critical of, he hasn't done anything wrong with him. He's pushed all the right buttons, and Tis the Law is the kind of horse that we, I'm going to make the comparison, not necessarily talent-wise, but maybe he's not far off. I'll make the comparison to a horse like American Pharaoh, where you can make your own trip. You can go to the front if for whatever reason the pace ends up being more mm-hmm. on the pedestrian side, or you can lay off of it a little bit more, like you said, if for some reason this heats up. And typically, the Kentucky Derby usually has a, a rather spirited pace signed on. It's not going to make a difference to him. He's shown the ability and the versatility to win from a few lengths off of it and from up there pushing the pace. So it, it's another one of those just feathers in his cap where, t- to me, he's, he's darn near bulletproof on paper, isn't he? Yeah, and and we should also mention here, we're talking about the pace scenario. We're recording this around lunchtime on Thursday. Uh, This morning, King Guillermo, who's coming off a major layoff, but would have been, I think, one of the speeds in this race. He's the sixth horse in the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Uh, He did not train this morning. The trainer has said he's got a small issue. There's an expectation they'll make a decision at some point Thursday afternoon. Would it change your opinion at all if King Guillermo, one of the speeds, at least on paper, Matt, does not run on Thursday? Keep people listening to this on Friday or Saturday, and he's in or out, depending on what happens this afternoon. It wouldn't make a difference for me as far as Tis the Law is concerned. I don't. There's really nothing at this point that would affect me one way or the other with Tis the Law and thinking that he's just going to win. It does affect that. I, I thought King Guillermo had a real chance to hit the board because the talent wow. I think is exceptional for this horse. I think I get it. The layoff is, is really, really lengthy. I mean, this is not a, a, a walk in the park to come off this sort of layoff to go a mile and a quarter 
for lower profile connections. And, and obviously we all know up here in New England, the Victor Martinez sort of aspect with this horse. Yeah. But I, I think from a talent standpoint, he has it in spades, but I don't think he ever would have threatened to win. He would have been one of those horses that was relatively close to the front end. Um, it's unfortunate the timing of everything, but if he doesn't go, no, it doesn't make a difference to me with Tis the Law. It does perhaps make a difference if you're looking to play exactos, tries, or superfectors, anything like that. Uh, were, were you on Honor AP for much of this year? Am I misremembering that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so no, you... I, I, I thought it was one of those things where I thought the Santa Anita Derby, I thought Authentic would beat him, and I said, going forward, it's all about Honor AP. And I, I don't know about you, my, I, I'm just, I don't know what I really think of that shared belief. Um, I thought if he was what I thought he was, regardless of the figures that came back, I thought he was supposed to win that race because I don't think very much a thousand words and the entire field was separated by about a length and a half. I just, I, I'm against him in here at a short price. Wow. See, I, cause to me, it's going to be a short price, but he's my only other win candidate. I, I, I will use him really, 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 really defensively uh, in, in all the, the, the horizontal bets late in the day, because John Sheriff, you mentioned Barkley tag Sheriff's in that same sort of mold. I, I don't think the shared belief, Matt, in my opinion, was the goal for this horse. They, they got their points in the Derby. He's not a mile and a 16th. Uh, out of honor, Cody wants to go longer. And I, I guess I trust Sheriff's. I mean, they'll see the workout reports and they'll, they'll turn me a different direction heading into the weekend. But to me, he's the only other win candidate because he's got that race two back that says if he builds on that, he can be right there with the 108, 109, 110. But you're right. You have to believe that the, the shared belief was not uh, the main goal if you want to believe he can win this race. How about the other California horses, Thousand Words uh, and Authentic? Any other ones from the West Coast? Because you're a West Coast guy, Bernie. You're, I know you're a Boston guy, but you're, you kind of like these West Coast horses. Anybody out there you like? No, and really, that's actually kind of my opinion huh. here. If you are trying to play an exact or a try, it's to fade the West Coast simply because I think they're probably going to be over bet. And, and to... A little bit more to, to elaborate on Honor AP. It's sure. not that I think he's a bad horse by any stretch. It's just, if I'm going to be using Tis the Law, I've, I've got to try to split he and, and Honor AP up because if you end up going with those two in an exact, unless you get absolute chaos in third and fourth, it's just not going to pay anything. So I'm going to try to split them up. And I recognize, look, he's, he's got kind of one of my pet handicapping angles, paired up career buyer tops of 102. I do think that can precede a forward move, but I was just left a little bit uh, a little bit wanting coming out of that shared belief. I thought he should have done a little bit more despite your point, and it's it's a good point, point to be taken, that it was nothing more than a means to an end to get to a spot like this, and all along they've been saying the longer the better. Um, Honor APM, I'm going to be against him. I've made it clear I don't love thousand words. Authentic, I think, is a better horse than people are, are making him out to be. I just, boy, his hand is forced from the outside now. Yep. you got to go. you got to try to clear off. I can't imagine Storm the Court won't be involved in this thing early on, so if you're dealing with not only having to sort of force your hand to go from the gate break, you're going to probably be a little bit wide. I guess the jury is still out on how, how far he's actually going to want to go when it's all said and done. I feel like that's not necessarily a recipe for success on Saturday. I do think he's better, though, than maybe people are suggesting. Yeah, he was do or die with New York traffic, a nice horse, but you know, I have no belief that New York traffic can win this race. So I'm going to be against Authentic as well. So you're you're on t- when Matt Bernier is on a favorite, uh, folks, the first time podcast listeners, <laughs> that means something. So he's on Tis the Law. We need some prices then. You're against the West Coast horses. You kind of like King Guillermo. He may or may not race. Let's get some prices underneath uh, Tis the Law on Saturday. 
Yeah, the, the two that I landed on were the three enforceable and the 12 solo volante. And the, the logic behind both of them, I don't, I don't think either of them are good enough to win this race. I don't think either of them are good enough to even, frankly, threaten to win this race. But enforceable was a horse early on as a three-year-old. Many people kind of looked at him and thought maybe he would be a derby type had the race been run early on the first Saturday in May, as it typically is. Uh, he sort of trended off form a little bit toward the end of that campaign down in New Orleans, but I don't think either of those two races that he ran in the Risen Star or the Louisiana Derby were necessarily as bad as maybe they look at face value. The Louisiana Derby was essentially a merry-go-round. He never really had any chance to get involved in that. And then when he came back in that bluegrass, not only did he run into Art Collector and Swiss Skydiver, who are two extremely talented racehorses, but it's my opinion that the track was very, very kind to horses that were forwardly placed. So, combined with the lengthy layoff and the track being against him, I don't think that was necessarily indicative of what he's capable of doing. I think he had a forward move here. And with Sola Volante, he's another one where, from a talent standpoint, I don't think he's as good as a horse like Tis the Law. I don't think he's in the same area code. But he's shown the ability to stay distances, don't hold the Belmont Stakes against him. That was It was a 10-day turnaround. I think they just took a shot because they thought maybe we could get a piece of this thing. Off this layoff, he's fired fresh in the past. I don't think the distance is any sort of an issue for him. And again, should be a decent enough number. If you're looking for horses to fill out exactas, trifectas, superfectas, uh, those are the two for me, Enforceable and Solo Volante. Yeah, I'm going to go back to the Travers for my two. I think the max player, at least on paper, uh, will make a lot of sense to people. Uh, you know, a, a closer gets a switch from Linda Rice to Steve Asmussen, gets a good local jockey in Ricardo Santana. Uh, buyers are going the right way. This horse has always been uh, bred to be a good one. He winning the Withers right there, third in the Belmont, and then the Travers. He was just way too far back. He wasn't going to win on that track. He'll be 30-1 to 1. on the line. He's going to be a shorter price than that, given some defections in this race and given that he had that now local connection in Asmussen and Santana. The 50 to 1 shot I have to use, Matt, and I got to run his story by you, is, is South Bend, who is not a horse I gave any real shot to in the Travers. But you go back and you watch that race. He was dead last throughout on a track that the time form rated a pink color, which means its, it's favored speed wasn't crazy speed, speed favoring, but it did favor speed in that race. He made one run up the rail. He did not break all that well in that race. Uh, is bred to be one of the best closers in here. And I just felt like uh, uh, with Bill Mott having won this race before, the horse has two wins at Churchill Downs. He's going to be sent to make one run. I don't think they try to win, but they're going to try to get into the number. I talked myself into South Bend as my key horse with Tis the Law as somebody who want to use underneath. Did he hit your radar at all this week? Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, first things first, I'm certainly not going to talk you off of a 50-1 shot to try to spice some things up underneath, especially a horse that has this sort of profile. So, when I first did the pass through, uh, he didn't necessarily come right to mind. But to your point, the Ohio Derby, go to that run two starts back, last start going out for Stanley Huff's barn. He was under an all-out ride for a really, really long time, but it never looked like he was really slowing down. It looked like he's just sort of that horse that if, if the race is 15 miles, he'll run 15 miles. He may not do it the fastest, but the distance isn't going to get him beat. And with the Travers, to your point, if you think that the track was a little bit kind of speed, the pace wasn't particularly quick that day, he still didn't really run terribly. I mean, if you think you take Caracaro out of it, unfortunately, he didn't make it to this race. Max Player, if you like him, I kind of feel like by default, you probably should like South yep. Bend, who to me is probably going to be two to three times the price of a horse like Max Player. So um, I'm certainly not going to talk you off that for a horse who it feels like if you have questions, and it feels like this is what we always do every year with this derby, at a mile and a quarter, if there are questions about some of the more talented horses at the distance, 
take a horse underneath especially that you have zero concerns about a mile and a quarter. And mm-hmm. South Bend, I think, fits that. Uh, one dumb theory I have in this race. Uh, I need a 30-second answer. We're going to move on to some other races. A lot of these owners and trainers know they're running up against a monster in Tis the Law, and the instructions, in my mind, potentially for a bunch in this field, are going to be ride to hit the super. We're not going to win the race. Make one run at the end. Am I nuts to think, because Tis the Law on paper looks so good, that a lot of these connections are going to have the intent of just hit the board here for us? I think outside of the, let's say, top four in the market, um, I, I think you're going to get whatever these horses have from Authentic, from Honor AP, perhaps a, a New York traffic type. Everyone else, frankly, I, I could very easily see it being a situation of take back, try to make one run. Maybe we can get a piece of this thing. Because, again, for, for the folks that maybe you're just sort of new to it or whatever the case may be, the purse being $3 million doesn't mean that the winner gets $3 million. It's broken down incrementally through the top six or seven. So there's still a big payday to be had if you run fifth or fourth in a race like this. And to the point of, of a South Bend or, or a horse that we were talking about earlier with like enforceable. Sure. There's still a, a rationale to say, you know what? We can't beat the big horse, but we can run third or fourth or fifth and get a big payday out of this thing. So um, I, I'm with you there with, many of the longer prices with the shorter prices. I think I, I believe the folks involved with honor AP genuinely believe they can win this race authentic with a speed horse. You're kind of darn. If you do darn, if you don't, you kind of have to go. I don't think you really want to be taken out of there and New York traffic. Uh, you know, those connections have been very, very confident with this horse, uh, regardless of what you or I think of his ability and chances on Saturday. So I think those are probably the ones that they're going to go for broke. Uh, everyone else, I could very easily see them just taking back and saying, let's try to get a piece. You should also point out there are no fans at the Derby this year. That means a 10-cent Superfecta, which guys like me like, guys like Bernie or Hate, because the lower minimum means that the small fish like me get in the pool. But 10-cent Superbox is going to be a big deal uh, on Saturday for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Bernie, you're pointing you towards, uh, again, Tis the Law, a little King Guillermo. We'll see if he goes enforceable part of the mix. Sola Volante as well. Uh, let's move backwards here. We can do some of these races quickly here, Matt. The 13th race, we'll go through the six races that make up the pick six the day of, uh, or the jackpot six the day of the Derby. Race 13 is the grade one uh, turf classic presented by Old Forrester. They'll go a mile and eighth on the turf. Uh, what'd you like in here, Matty? This felt like one of the more open races to me of this yep. entire sequence. And I ultimately landed on one of Chad Brown's three in here, but... I'm hoping he's going to be the best price. That's the eight sacred lives. Um, you know, this is going to be a very difficult proposition, and I'm sure some people will look at him and say he's too cheap as far as class is concerned. But the Ocean Port, yeah, he was running against inferior company. I understand that. The horse was coming off of an extremely long layoff, had no pace to run at, and he kicked like a mule down the lane. Once he got in the clear, he absolutely exploded. And I look at this field and I go, I, I, I don't think there are any world beaters in here. I respect factor this, but... I think there's going to be some other horses up there on the front end pushing things. I don't trust Rock Emperor at all. I think the talent is there, but I wonder about his, his will to finish the deal. And outside of that, I, I just I, I wasn't blown away mm-hmm. by anyone. So if you're going to tell me I can get Chad Brown sort of in that 9-2, to 5-1, to one, maybe even 6-1 to one at the morning line, suggests range on Sacred Life, who maybe he's ready to take that step forward, second start off the bench. Um, that's where I went. I have two horses listed. He is one of them. I think it's a pipe dream. We think we're going to get six to one. Sorry, Matt. It's Chad Brown on a big day. He's going to get bet. Uh, I'm going to go with one of the speeds. Some like it hot brown for Mike Maker. And I, I maybe I'm just, it's a summer of getting my brains beat in 
Matt, not betting speed horses on the turf at Saratoga and just watching them go wire to wire, uh, as we've seen over and over and over again. He's one of the three speeds in here with spectacular gem and factor this. But Tyler Gaffleyon proved to me that he is uh, a much better jockey gave him credit to, even like six months ago. His turf work at Saratoga was excellent. Uh, Maker's going to put this horse on the front end. He is in uh, the best form of his career. He's still only a four-year-old with back-to-back 100 buyers. The distance won't be an issue. He's got to win at this distance. I know he's going to be forwardly placed. And Mike Maker, Matt, I, I mean, I, it took me a while to realize it, but he's just a really good trainer whose horses don't seem to get bet the way Chad Browns do. So I, I see the, the merits in Sacred Light. I'm with you. It's kind of an open race. I want to use Mike Maker anywhere near the 8-1 to one price towards the front end uh, in this race on Saturday. Moving one uh, even back, we go to now the Derby City. Uh, they're going to go on the dirt. It's going to be a grade one. Start us off here, Matt, with the 12th race on Saturday. This is probably the most sort of interesting opinion that I had of all these races. She's going to need a little bit of pace help. There's no two ways around it, but there's a horse in here who I've long loved. Uh, I'm all about the number six, Sally's Curlin for Dale Romans. And to me, she is the epitome of a horse who you go through her lifetime past performances. She is an entirely different animal when you have her go one turn as opposed to two. She's going one turn here. She comes out of the grade one Madison. There was no pace signed on that day. And that was also a day where Guarana, who, if she were in this race, she would be the favorite, no question about it. Yep. Unfortunately, she's been shelved for the rest of the year. Her and Mia Mischief just went one-two the entire way around. I thought Sally Curlin actually ran quite well to finish fifth that day. She certainly needs a little bit of help up front. There's no doubt about that. But I think there's a scenario where Serengeti Empress, she ran so big up at Saratoga last out. I think some other girls could be a little bit closer uh, throughout this thing. Sally's Curlin at anything close to the 12-to-1. I love her in this spot. And at the very least, I just wanted to hit the board because I'm still fingers crossed that the connections trudge on and go on to the Breeders' Cup because I think she's got a giant chance when we get there. Uh, to that end, though, just help me out because I don't like her. I bet against her probably my entire life. But Serengeti Empress looks potentially loose on the front end. Who is going with her to wear her down? Because you're right. If she goes and some others go and it becomes a speed duel, then you've got a great setup on your end. But talk me into somebody going with Serengeti Empress early on a track she's had success at. Well, that's just the thing. It's really going to boil down to does a horse like Lady Kate, who on paper is a little bit uh, class compromised, let's say, is she going to be forwardly placed? I wonder if Bellafina is a little bit more aggressively ridden, where to me, some of her best runs have come when she's actually been up there pushing things as opposed to coming from farther off of it. And look, they tried that last time in the ballerina and it didn't work trying to rally from a couple lengths off of it. So maybe they're a little bit more aggressive coming out of the gate. You are going to need someone else to be a little bit more I don't want to say aggressive, but certainly going to need to get involved early on. There's also sort of the theory that I have with Serengeti Empress, and this may be just pie in the sky thoughts. But did, did you did you go did you go to the bottom of the barrel yeah. to win that race in the yep. Ballerina? She worked so hard, so so hard, and did did you squeeze the lemon just a little bit too dry? And, and not suggesting she still can't win, because to your point, she theoretically has a pace advantage. I just wonder if we get a little bit of a regression from that run at Saratoga because it was such an exceptional performance, but boy, how much did that take out of her? That's what I want to know. Yep, I, I have more work to do on that race, and I, I'm going to use your horse you talked about, but at least on paper, I'm a chalk-eating weasel here, and, and would look at the speed in this race. Maybe the same case in the 11th race, moving backwards, uh, the Distaff Turf Mile going a mile, and they just they, they figured out what newspaper record wants to do here. Matt, she wants to go a mile. Uh, they figured out what was wrong last year. She's 4-5 to five on the morning line. It's Chad Brown. It's Javier Castellano. I mean, I, anyone in this field that can beat newspaper record trying to make good on her Edgewood mishap last year on Derby Day. 
No, I and, and I guess the way that I'll, I'll position this is she is far and away the most likely winner. I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone try to beat her, but but if you wanted to try, okay. Uh, the the only horse that I was mildly intrigued with is the seven La Signare for Brendan Walsh. I feel like the Jenny Wiley. Not only did she run into a really exceptional field, including Rushing Fall, who's probably going to be the favorite in the Philly and Mare Turf in the Breeders' Cup here in a couple months' time, but there's no pace signed on that day. And you go to the run two starts back in the Mint Julep. I think she wins that race rather easily if she's not forced to take up at the top of the lane. She eventually found a little bit of a seam and exploded late. So she's far from the likeliest of winners. I mean, I, I think we're making that abundantly clear. That newspaper of record, this race goes through her. But if for whatever reason she were to stub her toe or you just said, you know what, I don't want to take two to five on her, which she's going to be in a spot like this, mm-hmm. uh, maybe La Signore, the seven, is one to uh, to consider. Yep. It's one that I certainly looked at as someone I use underneath. I think Matt's onto something there with what happened to back in that Menchulip. Uh The 10th race on Saturday will begin the late pick five that ends with the Derby. It's the one-mile Iroquois, the grade three uh, for two-year-olds. This thing gives me a headache. Uh, I guess the, the top three all stand out. Uh, the two for Steve Asmussen and the number 10 horse uh, for Nacho Correas, the number 10, the ride of a lifetime with seven to five morning line. Are you trying to beat any of the top three, at least in the morning line of this thing, Matt? No, and simply because I, I think there are quite a few talented runners in this race. I really do. But I was just so taken by, by the eight midnight bourbon. He's six to one on the line. I don't know if he's going to be six. I think he probably comes down from there. Um, he just broke his maiden just a couple weeks ago at Ellis Park, and that was his second lifetime start. He debuted actually against a horse called Notary, who's also going to be in this spot for, for the coach, Wayne Lucas, breaking from the outside. But I just thought Midnight Bourbon, the speed he showed in the debut, he dueled, faded, not the end of the world. I'm not going to hold that against him. He came back and put the boots to the field in that most yep. recent start. He looked so professional doing so. He sat off of a target, took over willingly. Uh, Corrales, the rider, never had to ask him at any point and, you know, 14-day turnaround, maybe that's a little bit of a, a scary thought. For what it's worth, past year, 1 to 14 days, dirt winner last out for Asmussen, 5 for 18 with a, with a $2 ROI. The pedigree is there. Uh, this one's by Kisnow. He's also a half to Gervin, who won the Haskell a few years ago. I was just really taken by the performance from Midnight Bourbon. And, again, don't expect a 6 to 1. I think he probably comes down to about 3 to 1, maybe 7 to 2. But, He's where I landed here. I would take that to start the late pick five. Excellent insight about the ride last time with the jockey. He's back in. He's back here. He's riding today or Saturday. A bunch of races for Steve Asmussen. A race I wish was part of late pick five because I'm not a huge jackpot six player is the Pat Day Mile. I mean, Perenna has become one of my favorite races, Matt, of the year because you get all these derby horses or the derby trail horses cutting back on Derby Day. All these sprinters who their owners said, oh, we got Derby Dreams, said, you know what? We're not quite there. Let's cut back to the mile. And I I could talk about this race for a half hour by itself. I love the race on paper. I'm not sure I'm in love with the horse directly, but just the way it's set up with the speeds and some of the cutbacks and the stretch outs. uh, Your thoughts on what I think is one of the best betting races of the day. Ninth race on Saturday, the grade two Pat Day Mile. I love a horse in here, and he's getting the ultimate acid test. I actually had selected him in the Pat O'Brien last week and said he was going to smash the field against older horses, and instead they chose to scratch and run against three-year-olds and ship them across the country. Maybe I'll look silly on Saturday, but the number four vertical threat, if you're someone who watches replays and watches tape, his two starts on dirt have been exceptional. They have been absolutely visually, there's nothing else you could have possibly asked for. If you're someone who is a class and speed figure player, I'm not going to argue with you that he's slow right now, but 
I still believe that, you know, your eye can fool you from time to time. There's no doubt about it. But there's something here. And Mm -hmm. for them to be willing to ship him across the country for his first try against Graded Stakes Company, as opposed to keep him in his backyard where he had been in Southern California for his entire career. I know it was against older horses, but that was not a great field last weekend. Um, I think this is a vote of confidence. They're stretching him out in distance. He's 8-1 to on the line. And I think you're probably going to get something pretty close to that with some of the other names that have lined up in here. So a vertical threat for me. I I love this horse for Richie Baltus. You're going to absolutely get the price back because you've got the Baffert horse on the rail who's going to take a lot of money. We know Asmussen and Echo Town who owes me nothing after his effort in the Jerkins. He's going to take money in this race. Uh, I I think the horse that I'm going to lean towards, uh, tap it to win, is going to take money. You've got no parole for for Amos who always takes money. He's going to be wheeling it up front. Rushy for Mike McCarthy. People are going to see finish third dark collector. You you tab the horse I think is going to be if not double digits, close to. And I, I, I no knock on him and no knock on Echotown, who I love, but I, watching that Jerkins over and over, I couldn't get over how well I thought Tap It to Win ran because that thing, the the speeds, the, the first two fell apart. He was you know sort of thir- sitting third the entire time. He fought on till the end. He has some back races that showed some brilliance earlier this spring. And I thought if Cassie has his horse back on track, the tap it to win might have a shot going a mile. What do you think of his thoughts on Saturday? Yeah, big big chance in here. I mean, I feel like the connections have finally, I don't want to say finally realized, because the Belmont was specifically a one-turn mile this year, or a mile on a 16th, mile on an 8th, whatever it was. The idea was he's a one-turn horse. One-turn horse, trying yeah. to stretch him out. Yeah, as opposed to what we saw in the Breeders' Futurity last year. And he's a very, very talented horse. The one thing that I would be curious to find out you're right. He was close to the pace, and he, of all the pace horses, and a pace that effectively melted down, he was the only one that was relatively close at the end. I wonder if he is slightly better when they're when he's just allowed to wing it on the front end, as opposed to sitting off of a target. And with the other speed signed on in this race, I just wonder if maybe that's going to sort of take him out of his element a little bit. If they are a little bit more aggressive, and if he has to come from a little bit farther off of it, I, I'm not totally convinced that there aren't more talented horses running in this spot as opposed to what we saw in the Jerkins because of the horses that you mentioned, whether it is the horse that I like, whether it's Rushy, whether it's Baffert's horse coming in from Southern California. I wonder if the waters are, while it's not a grade one compared to the, the Jerkins field, which technically was, yep. I wonder if the water's a little bit deeper here in this spot. Well, I don't think anyone's going to be 5-2-ish. to two-ish. If they are, by the way, then then you're going to have value everywhere else. This is a wide-open field. I, I love the race. I love Matt's take. And we'll be looking to see if we get some of the Jerkins horses back in this thing, including Tap It to Win and Echo Town. We're saving the best for last with Bernier because I listen to Matt's uh, podcast. You should, too. The Matt Bernier Show on YouTube or on podcast form because he has a ridiculous take in the Kentucky Oaks. It's going to be on Friday night. You got the Oaks Derby double you can play. This is the this is the Derby for the Phillies, the the Lilies for the Phillies. I think that's what it is, who knows. Um and there are two horses that everyone is saying are, 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 are one and one A, and uh, Swiss Skydiver and uh, Gamine. And then a lot of people now are like this horse speech and so everyone I know is taking one of these three horses except for two people. Okay, Bernier and Jessica Paquette. And Jessica Paquette likes a totally different horse than Bernier does. But you make a case for this long shot that you like against three standouts on Friday in the Oaks, Bernier. Yeah, look, this is very similar to the vertical threat logic in that if you're a class player, she's not good enough. If you're a figure player, she's not good enough. If you're someone who watches tape, and admittedly there's a little bit of a heart play in here because I've, I've liked her for a long, long time. I'm on the seven. She dares the devil. She's 20 to one on the morning line. I, I think there's more here than, than the figures would 
potentially suggest. I think she's better than her numbers say she is. And I think she's going to work at a really good trip in here. Um, I'm going to just say I have on good account the sort of idea is to just follow Gamin. Hmm. Let him, Gamin go, and we'll see what happens. Um, I, again, I don't know if she's good enough, but she's a perfect two-for-two two at Churchill Downs. She's going to be a giant price. And when I look at the other girls, Gamin is the most talented horse in the race, bar none. I, I really don't think that's even debatable. I have no idea if she wants to go this far, and maybe this isn't going to be an issue for her, but I find it very peculiar that they have campaigned her the way that they have when the only time she went two turns, she effectively, I mean, I get it, she won by a neck over speech, but any longer that race is over, speech is going to beat her. Mm -hmm. I find it very peculiar that they've kept her at the one turn, and now they're going to stretch her out. I'm not sold on her chances at a mile and an eighth. So a skydiver, for whatever reason, continues to get a bit of shade thrown her way. All she does is win races. And the race that she lost most recently was the art collector who would have been a clear second choice in the Derby on Saturday. So to me, she's the most likely winner of the race because I don't have any question about the distance. She has some versatility. She can go. She can sit. In speech, I'm not going to argue with anyone that says she is sort of the informed horse, a little bit under the radar, continues to take those steps forward. Uh, maybe she takes that big giant step forward on Friday afternoon. But given the price and what I've seen from her visually, and she's going out for connections who have had success winning this race in the past with Brad Cox and Flora Giroux, uh, I'm on She Dares the Devil. I think this is a situation hmm. where she's perched three wide, maybe sitting just off Gamine, maybe sitting just off of a horse like Gona Veloce. Who knows? Maybe she's not good enough, but I'm going to find out. I, I I totally I love the idea, and I, I guess for me, my big take is it's probably stupid. It'll cost me money on Saturday. I'm just going to take a stand against Gamine. I don't think she wants. You say you don't know. She doesn't want the mile in the eight. She's brilliant. They're going to find it after this race. She does not want this distance. And I think Swiss Skydiver has just she's danced all the dances. She fought Art Collector. She's beaten all the the fillies. And the, I. I like her a lot. I like speech. I'm against Gamine. I'm going to use your horse. And I should point out our friend Jessica Paquette, uh, who's now is working over with our friends at Trackus. Uh, she likes Tempers Rising. who's only 50 to 1 on the morning line for only Dallas 50. Stewart. So uh, if you look for some prices in this race, and Jessica had the super in last year's Derby with Country House, uh, maybe look towards uh, the number two horse, Tempers Rising, in the Oaks. Any other race, Matt? 30 seconds. You want to put out one other spot you're looking forward to this weekend, or do we cover enough? No, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those days where Friday and Saturday, you're going to have a number of opportunities to see some top flight racehorses, whether they're going to be heavy chalks or not, go out there and kind of strut their stuff. I mean, don't sleep on a horse like Sharing, who she's going to be mm. odds on on Friday afternoon, but she was so game finishing second over there at Royal Ascot over the summer. I mean, she's an exceptionally talented filly, and just uh, that would be my big takeaway is, guess what? There are going to be some good opportunities to wager. There are going to be some others that, or a little bit lackluster, but there's going to be legit quality top to bottom on Friday and Saturday. So be sure you're locked in. And, and really, this is also kind of one of those weird times where we're talking about the Oaks and the Derby. This is going to be basically a little bit of a prelude leading into the Breeders' Cup, and we're only about eight weeks away from yep. that. So these, these could very easily be the final races for these horses before you see them the first Friday and Saturday in November at Keeneland. So be, be aware and take your notes. Preakness scheduled for October 3rd. Next time we'll talk to Bernie. We'll be that week heading into the Preakness. Matt underscore Bernie are on Twitter, NBC Sports, of course. Uh, RacingPicks.com. Go check out his take on these races and races every single weekend. Of course, the Matt Bernier Show on YouTube or a video or podcast form where you want to watch or listen to Bernier. Sometimes he sits in. He, you wear this golf hat now. You sit in front of a camera. It's a good setup for you on YouTube. 
It's a little bit different. You know, it's, it's one of those things for, you know, we, we can kind of change it up. And, and rather than just have the slate on there for the YouTube pod, you know, you can look at my ugly mug for a little bit. And if you have any questions on the races, just tweet them. Matt underscore Bernier. Yeah. Uh, get them there. Uh, Matt, excellent job. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Good luck, Mike. There you have it. Derby 146 in the books. Bernier, myself, both like Tis the Law. Uh, Bernier's got a wild pick uh, for you in the Oaks. Uh, in the Derby, I'm going to use AP Honor. I'm going to use a couple long shots underneath. Number two, Max Player. And a 50-to-1 shot, the 8-horse South Bend, as a long bomb for me. I'm going to play Supers, Tries. I'll probably single Tis the Laws alone A in the late picks late. He's a little bit of Honor AP. A little bit. little smidge. 10% or so. 90-10. Uh, on my late picks in case he ends up being the race they horse they thought he was out on the West Coast. You can bother me with your thoughts on the weekend on Twitter and Instagram at Mutt, M-U-T-W-E-E-I. We are back next week with NFL picks. Myself, Shime, Anderson, Winners Club. It's a big weekend. Pace yourself. Hydrate. Bet with your head, not over it. Win some money. Good luck from the Winners Club podcast.